It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. So it's just gone 2.30. Jeremy Hunt has delivered his autumn statement. Uh, Rachel Reeves for Labour has responded. And uh, there was a rabbit out of the hat at the end, quite heavily trailed in the newspapers, but more than expected, a 2p cut in Employees National Insurance starting in January. Jeremy Hunt is saying he wants us to see him as a tax cutter. And the big political question after the autumn statement is, are we heading for a spring general election because of the timing of some of the measures that Jeremy Hunt announced? Let's find out more as we light up our hot take. As we are speaking, Jeremy Hunt is still up, I can see from the TV, in the House of Commons, taking all of those questions from backbenchers. When you were Chancellor on Autumn Statement Day, what would then happen for you for the rest of the afternoon? There's a bit of a difference. If you're doing the budget, as Chancellor, you'd now be out of the chamber, you'd be enjoying a quick sandwich lunch, and then you'd hit the phones to the newspaper editors to try and shape some of the coverage the next day. And if you're the Conservative Chancellor, you then have to go and speak to the 1922 committee. But I think the overall feeling you have at that point is one of enormous relief that you've got it done. Whereas on Autumn Statement Day, that's all a little bit delayed because you have to answer questions from MPs first before you do all that. What about the Shadow Chancellor? Ed, what would, what would you be doing right now? It's a bit more frantic for the Shadow Chancellor because, of course, you don't know, unlike the Chancellor, what's going to be in the um, budget documentation. We always had a big operation in the Shadow Cabinet room, all these experts. But to be honest, they can't get much information to you in the chamber quickly enough. What would happen is, though, you've basically done your first response, hope you've not made any mistakes, come out. Then I think two things would happen. First of all, you get a quick brief. I would dash over and try and get onto the BBC coverage in Millbank at the end of their programme back, quick briefing to the lobby to go through with the, uh, all the political journalists what we think is going on. We hope by that point we've got some big reveals to be telling them about. And then, you know, start writing your speech for the next morning because unlike the Chancellor, the Shadow Chancellor has to um, do their um, the opening speech on the day after the budget or the autumn statement. If I was dashing over now to the BBC to do the interview, the thing I would be clutching in my hand is the OBR's document, and I would be pointing out paragraph 1.22, which the Chancellor didn't mention, which says that the government's stated policy of increasing fuel duties in line with RPI inflation, the reversal of the temporary 5p cut, is all still in the numbers. We talked about this two weeks ago. And the OBR says, if like every Chancellor in the last 10 years, they instead freeze fuel duties in the budget, that's actually going to mean that debt would be rising um, as a percentage of GDP not falling at the end of the forecast period. He is only going to meet his objective to get debt falling, one of the Prime Minister's five pledges, if he raises fuel duty next March, is he going to do that? Absolutely no way. So you're referring here to the Office for Budget Responsibility document that is produced alongside the budget, but it's it's too late for any of the MPs to actually read this important piece of work, which essentially presents the unvarnished case 
uh, of what's happening in the autumn statement. And let's, for, for listeners, just, just turn to what was in the statement as opposed to what wasn't in the statement. So there wasn't a freeze in fuel duty. Uh, he did freeze certain things like alcohol duty. There was an increase in the in the minimum wage for low-paid workers. There was uh, a generous increase in uh, benefits and uh, the state pension. I say generous, i.e. in line with inflation, and some people had expected him maybe to do a bit less than inflation. But the, the big two measures, the big two tax cuts in the budget was, first of all, for businesses, there was a a change to the way that uh, investment is treated by the tax system, a permanent change, which most businesses will like. And then the the rabbit out of the hat, which you've already referred to, was the 2P cut in national insurance for 27 million workers. Uh, and that's a pretty straightforward income tax cut. It's not called an income tax, it's called a national insurance tax, but uh, nevertheless, it's uh, more money for people in their pocket and a bit less going to the tax man than was previously expected. So that's quite a significant tax cut on national insurance. For a nurse, that's £500 as a tax cut, if they're on the average nursing salary. And for a family where uh, the two people and the two adults are earning, that's almost £1,000. So it's quite a significant tax cut. There was quite a tough welfare measure as well there. You know, They were saying to people uh, in that autumn statement, if you're a job seeker on job seeker's allowance, and after 18 months, you haven't found work, you're going to go into a compulsory work placement. And if you don't do that, you're going to lose your benefits altogether. I mean, that is definitely a return to a much tougher Tory language on people who are out of work and don't appear to be looking for a job. But of course, the big thing we've seen over the last two or three years is a very large rise in people who are not actively seeking work, who are on incapacity benefit, who are challenged with illness, including mental illness. And um, my guess is that people won't be losing their benefits. They'll be moving over to incapacity benefit instead. So whether this actually ends up saving money, we'll see. I think the incapacity benefit reforms and helping people to get back to be healthy to go to work will end up being more important in terms of saving money. So those are the main autumn statement measures. He called the whole thing an autumn statement for growth. And I would sort of throw to you an interesting kind of point here. You know, it's pre-election. I think a Labour chancellor, if they had had a bit more money to spend, which is what the forecasts threw up for Jeremy Hunt, he, was, he got a little bit of a windfall, which we can go on and discuss. He And he's decided to spend it on tax cuts. I was thinking back to the days when I was shadow chancellor and Gordon Brown or Alistair Darling, I think they might have spent that windfall on more money for hospitals, more money for schools, for those who, who want to feel that there's still some difference between the big parties and politics, uh, I think that's an obvious one. This Conservative Chancellor has decided to cut taxes. Well, of course, Gordon Brown cut the um, basic rate of income tax. So it wasn't always the case that we conformed to um, the stereotype. But uh, if you actually look, you know, how has he managed people will be thinking to cut taxes? What is the underlying forecast? And uh, this, I think, points to some of the political challenges. Um What's happened is that the forecast for economic growth has actually been revised down. It's going to be half the level that the OBR was thinking back in March, next year and the year after. So there's not going to be a recession, but the economy is going to be quite weak. And also next year, inflation has been 
substantially revised up. The OBR now thinks that the government doesn't meet its inflation target until 2025, inflation much higher over the course of next year. What that tells you is that people next year are going to be worse off. Actually, inflation is going to, to mean that um, people will not be seeing real increases in their living standards, but the extra inflation brings in more tax revenue. And that is room for manoeuvre for the Chancellor. More tax revenue, does he uh, spend it? And the actual path for borrowing is the same over the next six years. He's basically spending all of that extra windfall from uh, taxation. Um, but we also know, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, that um, the higher inflation means that public services are going to be hugely under pressure. This is now, um, there's a freeze in public investment and money for public spending is going to be rising by just 1% a year outside of health. That's going to mean cuts in public spending departments. I would say totally unsustainable, whoever is in government, but the government is hoping they can get through the election on that basis and therefore just use the extra revenue from inflation. But of course, what the OBR also points out in its document is this tax cut on national insurance is going alongside increases in income tax next year, the year after, the year after, because the government is freezing personal allowances. So even with the tax cut he's announced, the tax burden rises every year for the next five years, and the rise in income tax from the freeze in personal allowances completely outweighs any tax cut from national insurance. Well, let's look at the interesting situation he had when he stood up. So he stands up already knowing that the uh, independent forecast of the OBR has essentially said the economy is a bit better today than we thought it was going to be, but it's going to be not quite as good next year as we predicted it was going to be. Um, and the year and, after. And the year after. And inflation is going to be higher next year than we had anticipated. And by the way, as a result, interest rates may be higher for longer than we had previously guessed. So it's definitely made 2024 look, and it's only a forecast, might be wrong again, the OBR, uh, it, it makes 2024 not look like the great year of recovery. Um, and that's the backdrop against which you know he was standing up into. He knew that. The, the country didn't know those forecasts. Um, but they're broadly in line with what markets thought. And what has he done? He, he gets, as you say, a windfall from inflation. Uh, inflation means we'll pay more tax. As a, there's an increase in tax in, in the sort of total amount of money coming into the uh, Treasury. If you think about it, you'd pay... You know more VAT because things are more expensive. You'll have got to pay rise because inflation's higher, and so on. And he's used that money. He's basically used almost all of the twenty-seven billion pound windfall he got. You know, used just over twenty billion of it on this tax cut. But you're right; it's it's in some ways paid for by the fact that departmental squeeze, i.e., the, the public services and the like, they get squeezed further in real terms because inflation is higher, and he hasn't compensated the departments for that. Um, so that's in many ways what he actually told everyone at the beginning of the speech. He says, I'm moving away from big spending and high taxes and big government. And that was kind of the conservatism immediately post-Brexit, the kind of Boris Johnson conservatism. If you think of his election campaign in 2019, it was all, I'm going to have more police officers, more hospitals. Here's Jeremy Hunt saying, I'm essentially freezing spending and I'm delivering a tax cut for you. And in many ways, that's just a much bluer shade of conservatism. But what he didn't tell people in his speech is that the OBR reports that this year, over the next five years, 
there's going to be 4 million additional individuals paying income tax. 3 million more people will move into the higher rate of income tax. 400,000 more into the even bigger additional rate. Basically, what the personal allowance does... But you should, let's explain to listeners... Sure. Uh, Ed, explain to listeners why that is the case. So why are people, you know... We've, I'm not just, sure if we're doing Jeremy Hunt's disservice here. I mean, <laughs> I think the last thing he wants is for us to explain this to listeners, but we should. Yeah, so, you know, he's just announced a tax cut, i.e. a cut in national insurance, and we should also explain to people what national insurance is. But you're making out, you're making the point, which we've discussed on this podcast, that income tax was anyway going up, and indeed national insurance was going up because the thresholds have been frozen. Just I think if you explain that to listeners, and I'll have a go at explaining what national insurance is and why how this tax cut works. So basically, um, what happens every year is our incomes rise, and therefore, if our incomes rise, are we going to pay more income tax? Well, what normally happens is that the personal allowance, the point where you start paying income tax, the point where you start um, paying the higher rate or the top rate of tax also rise in line with inflation. And so therefore, you don't drag more people into paying the the higher rate or the top rate of income tax. But what the government decided to do was actually Rishi Sunak as Chancellor was to freeze those allowances. So inevitably, every year, as people's incomes rise, they either go into paying tax, or if they're a bit richer, into paying the higher rate of income tax or the top rate of income tax. And that, because inflation has been so much higher over the last couple of years than anybody expected, it means a very big rise in income tax. The tax burden is rising. The public finances are improving because of inflation. So the high inflation means everybody's going to be paying more tax. And what the Chancellor is doing is recycling a bit of that with a national insurance cut, but it's like a small part of the tax rise, which we are going to see. I mean, next year, your pay packet will show you're not paying less tax. It will show you're paying more income tax. Yeah, so the tax burden, as forecast by the OBRTA, continues to rise in the next few years. But he has cut national insurance, and that's a big cut. A 2P cut in national insurance is a pretty large tax cut, as budgets or autumn statements go. And it's interesting that he chose national insurance. I was trying to think, mm. why why not income tax? That's been the tax that uh, chancellors, both Tory and Labour, when they've chosen to cut income taxes, have chosen. And I was thinking, well, first of all, it's cheaper to get 2p off national insurance than income tax. So you get mm. more bang for your buck. He gets his two pence headline. And remember, he'd only briefed one pence, so he had his surprise. People mm. were expecting a penny off national insurance. If they read this morning's papers, they got two pence. It's That's interesting partly because that, pensioners don't benefit. Right, exactly. So pensioners don't benefit. They did get a big pension rise. Um, it applies across the UK. We now operate in a system where there's devolved income tax in Scotland. Uh, so he can do a UK-wide tax change, and he can bring it in quickly. Uh, so he's legislating for it to start in January because national insurance is paid weekly rather than annually. Um, it, it's assessed in a weekly income. And if you wanted to do an income tax cut, you'd have had to wait till May. So I think there are various reasons why he's chosen national insurance. It's not been the tax cut of choice for Conservative or Labour chancellors before. Uh, and it's, it, you know, I think it's quite an interesting thing because it probably sets up an income tax cut in the budget. I think he's, because Rishi Sunak has previously said he wanted to cut income tax. So why national insurance now? Because you're going to do income tax later. Well, that will depend upon whether the economy grows more strongly because he's just spent all his room for manoeuvre. So here is my take. Tell me what you think. I think this is not 
the autumn statement Jeremy Hunt wanted to do. I don't think it was what he was planning two or three months ago. I think he thought that um, when he said there wasn't room for tax cuts, that's what he he believed. He thought that he needed to show the economy was going to get better and he was sorting out the public finances. And I think he's been put under great pressure to do this from the Prime Minister. We've seen the Prime Minister rather lurching around in recent weeks. This is another lurch. Suddenly, the Prime Minister, which who was raising taxes to sort out the public finances, needs to show his backbenchers he's a tax cutter. And for me, this is so um, redolent of um, the mid-1990s. I remember Ken Clark um, cutting the basic rate of income tax in 1996 by 1p and saying, I've cut income tax. And our response was, but you've raised it by 7p. 7p up, 1p down, you're still worse off. And if you listen to Rachel Reeves' statement response, she said he's cut Nash insurance by 2p, but all of the tax rises which are happening and still to come are equivalent of a 10p rise in national insurance. 10p up, 2p down, you're still worse off. And there was this phrase I remember from the focus group so well that you give with one hand and take with the other. And the problem for Jeremy Hunt, this is why I think he didn't want to do this, he's gone out and said, I'm a tax cutter. I'm cutting taxes. And what everybody's going to look at from tonight with the Institute for Fiscal Studies and tomorrow morning, and then in January, when the, the National Insurance Cut comes in, people will say, but are you cutting taxes or raising them? And the answer is, he's not cutting taxes. He's raising them, actually for good reason, to sort out the economy and the public finances. He's gone out and said, I'm a tax cutter. And people will end up saying, but I'm worse off. How can that be? And that is why I think, I look, the, the thing Ken Clark had in his favour in 1996 was at least the economy was growing more strongly and people were feeling better off. They're not going to be feeling better off because the economy is weaker next year. And when Jamie Hunt says, I'm cutting your taxes, people are going to say, no, they're going up, and I feel worse off. And that is why I think he's been bounced. This is not the autumn statement Jeremy Hunt ever wanted to deliver. Well, there's a lot of the autumn statement that Jeremy Hunt, the Jeremy Hunt I know, did want to deliver. The 110 growth measures. Oh, uh, yeah. That is a classic uh, Jeremy Hunt getting into the detail, all sorts of That's little right. changes, but important, no doubt. Lots of them good. Planning and science and... Uh, things to encourage uh, investment from pension funds and so on. The very fact he didn't, he said, look, I'm not even going to bore the House of Commons by reading out the 110 measures. I thought it was a clue that, you know, it's a worthy package, but hard Gordon to Brown sell. would have read them all out, every one of the 110, <laughs> and bored the House to death. We were, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a clue when you say, I, I don't want to bore you, that this is not a political flyer. But that's why, you know, I think he, that's what he wants to do. And um, it was a pretty pro-business package, certainly compared to some recent conservative statements on uh, business. So the corporate that, tax cut is big, isn't it? Yeah. Big and significant and will have and, an impact. Yeah. So that is the bit that Jeremy Hunt would have wanted to deliver. It's a good question. Why Why has he decided to spend all of his headroom, or most of, almost all his headroom, that he's been given all of this windfall on a tax cut? And I think, yes, of course, you know, we've discussed before, chancellors, have a very important responsibility in a government, not just to manage the public finances and, uh, you know, help with the, get the economy growing, but also to help the mm. government politically. And we've already had the U-turn from the conference speech where Rishi Sunak says, you know, I'm ditching 30 years of policy. And instead, he brings back David Cameron. And I thought it was significant, Jeremy Hunt, first time I've heard a chancellor in recent years 
constantly go back to 2010 and talk with pride of the mm. Tory record mm. over all of those Tory prime ministers and and, That's right. and 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 happily saying we've got a 13-year record we can be proud of very different from the conference speech um and not choosing to save his windfall for a pre-election budget i.e spending it now and hoping things are going to be all right next year uh, to have more windfall more war chest if you like I think, yes, shows that the government's under pressure, politically under pressure. Number 10 is under pressure to do something to try and change the political narrative and the opinion mm. polls. And I don't think that's a bad thing for a chancellor no. to respond to that. I think chancellors who don't respond to that can get quite disconnected quite quickly from their party. But when I said that phrase, give with one hand, you know, the trouble with this government is they give with one hand and they take with the other. And you nodded because you know the political power, if that sets in people's minds about the economy and tax? So I thought Rachel Reeves's response, you know, and I, I'm someone who rates her and thinks that, uh, you know, she is presenting a very credible economic face for Labour. But her response today was a bit lacklustre. And she's taken a knock personally, because she's been accused of plagiarism in her book, which Jeremy Hunt kept referring to. Uh, this afternoon. It was and, a good joke. Uh, yeah, and she, he said she was like the cut-and-paste shadow chancellor. But I think, you know, what you're saying, you have put more crisply this point, you know, taxes are going up and you claim to be cutting taxes. And I think you've highlighted a very interesting point, which is are people going to see in their pay packet more money go to the exchequer? And people are very conscious when they see their pay packet, of course, of what's being taken away. And so, you know, the Conservatives don't want to get too detached from the reality of people's experiences. Obviously, they want to uh, talk things up. But nevertheless, you, you mustn't get yourself accused of being out of touch with real people's experiences. And people can't think of you as being simply lying to them about what's really happening to their public finances. Look, the awesome statement response is a nightmare um, for the Shadow Chancellor because you don't know what's going on. The Chancellor gets a chance to respond, which makes it even harder. But whether she's got the right position and whether Jeremy Hunt is going to win this argument, we'll find out over the next 48 hours, the coming weeks. We'll uh, be discussing this in our podcast tomorrow, and by then things will already be, be clearer. But I just... Um, there's an I interesting, I, I just in, interrupted you. So you mentioned that Gordon Brown cut uh, the uh, income tax rate by 2p in 2007. And David Cameron was doing the response as leader of the opposition. And he had to welcome the income tax cut. That was his first thing. And it was only in the hours afterwards we realized that the abolition of the 10p tax rate was sort of more than outweighing it or was going to cost, there were going to be quite a lot of losers, put it that way, people who were pay more income tax. And it took us several hours exactly. later that evening to come up with a tax con, not a tax cut. Uh, so the opposition response should be judged over a 24-hour period. Um, right. But I still feel, you know, you should be, by now, with a year to go to an election, or maybe less, you want to be, there are some, should be some really familiar Labour slogans that you're beginning to hear again and again and again. Yeah. I think in the end, when she did 2p down, 10p up, you're worse off. That's actually where they want to be and um, and what's the growth plan on that i actually thought jeremy hunt did better i thought actually his corporate tax cuts were um were good and he had a kind of a story to to tell and he, he tried to um to align over the fact that actually the economy is going to be weaker next year and the year after but it's going to come back to do people feel they're better off or, or worse off and going into an election 
where you've had where you've got a rising tax burden, falling incomes, and people feel worse off, that is not a good place to be. And I don't think in the end Jeremy Hunt was able to change that. And that's why I just don't think this was the budget he wanted to do. He wants to be the solid Chancellor, not the gambling Chancellor. And Richie Sunak wants to roll the dice. We talked about a week or so ago whether he was the right person to be in the job, Jeremy Hunt. And that was being speculated in the newspapers. And sometimes Prime Ministers do that because they want to get their way when it comes to a budget negotiation. And I'm just not sure whether Richie Sunak in the end, I'm not sure if he's a good enough politician to put that kind of pressure on. I think he might look back and regret what they've done today. I think Jeremy Hunt will feel good performance, got my tax cut in, you know, shored up my position with the Conservatives and shored up my job. And you know, I think in the Treasury, uh, they'll be pretty pleased that they've also delivered non-inflationary growth, i.e. the OBR has upgraded the amount of growth it has in the economy because of the budget measures in a way that doesn't affect inflation because they've improved the, or anticipated to improve the supply side. That's all quite technical. Let's just do that end on um, a bit of the politics. And we've had a, a good question in from Nick Reeks, who asks us, do you think a May election is now more likely than it was a week ago? And I think a lot of people, Nick, are going to conclude that it is. And for this reason, he's delivered a tax cut and he's insisted that it's uh, taking effect from January. In other words, you're going to start to feel the effects by May. He's not cut income tax, which leaves open a cut in income tax in a spring budget. And the Conservatives now know, if the forecasts are right, that they're not going to be fighting the election in the autumn against a backdrop of an improving economy and falling inflation. Uh, in fact, things are going to feel pretty stagnant next year. So, uh, and I had already detected uh, and picked up talk of potentially an earlier election, at least as an option, because they've got other issues as well, the, the Rwanda judgment and uh, all of that, which the longer they leave, it might make it worse. Personally, I think any prime minister may think they might want to go to the country in May, but when they are 20 odd points behind the polls, and assuming that hasn't changed dramatically by May, they're going to go, mm, maybe I'll wait till the autumn or maybe even wait till the beginning of 2025. But I'll tell you what Jeremy Hunt is doing. He is following the Linton-Crosby law, which is you can't fatten the pig on market day. Linton-Crosby is the Tory election strategist of previous elections who told us as MPs, I remember I was a pretty young MP in 2005, you can't just fire all your ammunition at the general election. You have to make your party attractive and you need to make people feel the benefits of your policies in the many, many months in the run-up to that election. So I think Jeremy Hunt is opening the door to a May election, even though I think it's unlikely Rishi Sunak will walk through it. I think it all comes back to what you think the public reaction to this autumn statement is going to be. Um, what we know is that the Office of Budget Responsibility now think the economy is going to be weaker next year and people are going to be worse off and inflation is going to stay high. So going on for the whole year may not give them an economic advantage. And um, as you say, they've used up their room for manoeuvre on the base of higher inflation now with these tax cuts. It's not at all clear there will be more room for manoeuvre by next March. And they're going to have to find over £5 billion a year not to go ahead with the fuel duty increase, which is in the numbers and is the key to the national debt falling. So all of that points to um, them having decided to try and go early. However, if the public reaction to this is it's a con, if the public reaction is they've given with one hand and are taking a lot more with the other, if the public reaction is I'm worse off and they're raising my taxes 
that won't shift things in the opinion polls. And this, to me, really feels like we're getting towards a 97 election rather than a 92 election, where the polls are just not going to shift in the government's favour because people have decided they're worse off and it was their fault. And if that is the case, then Rishi Sunak is going to be clinging on. So my conclusion is, whatever people say overnight, I actually think now they're going to end up going longer next year. I think it maybe pushes back the prospect of an election because there's no room for manoeuvre, people are going to be cross, and uh, they just hope something will turn up. Well, who knows? So maybe this is the last autumn statement uh, from this Conservative government, or there's going to be another one next year. We're going to discuss this further on our podcast tomorrow. We've got our full-length podcast tomorrow. We're going to dive into the figures uh, that are still coming out from the Treasury and the OBR. And we're going to consider some other big topics that are affecting our world as well. As you say, George, you can often get to the Today programme interview the morning after the budget or autumn statement as Chancellor and find you're talking about things and answering questions which you weren't expecting. And that rather depends upon what all the people currently borrowing away, reading the Red Book and the Office of Budget Responsibilities, massive economic forecast, what they discover in the next um, 24 hours. But by tomorrow, we'll know. And therefore, we'll, we'll be able to talk about everything as it's being revealed on our podcast. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Political Currency. This has been a Persephonica production. 